If you have your Bibles, John chapter 9, whether you're online or in person, we are going to be in John chapter 9. It's good to be together. Before we jump into the last week of this series, let me just make a plug for that Team World Vision thing. Um, I, I, I'm excited about it because it's a little bit of a lower bar, so you don't have to run 26 miles in one day. It's the commitment of seven days. Second thing is re- individuals are raising a little less money. It's not the 1300 I think it's 150 per person. And it's a great way also to invite friends. We're talking about this whole Blessed series. This is a great way to invite a friend who maybe doesn't know God or has been away from church for a long time to do something that matters for the kingdom with you. Um, so I'm jumping on with it. I'm actually not going to run. I'm doing the elliptical. My knees have started telling me running is dumb. And so uh, you can do it in different ways. You can jump on elliptical, but do something that matters. Invite somebody into that space with you. It'll be a lot of fun, I promise. So we are in this series on blessed that we said before. We've done the series before, and we'll do it again because we think it's the way that we want, biblically, as followers of Christ, to live out the mission of God. In the relationships around us, we want to be people who are living this blessed lifestyle. And it comes all the way back from the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 12, where God calls Abraham and he says, I'm going to bless you and you're going to be a blessing to the nations. And the word bless means serve. It's to kneel before somebody. So God says, I'm going to serve you and I want you to serve others so they can be reconnected to me. And so we've gone talking about beginning with prayer. And then we talked about listening. Rodney sort of just talked this through. And then we talked about the fact that we eat together, then we serve, and now we're going to talk about sharing our story. And if you think about the whole idea of story, it's, it's, it's who we are. It's the narrative of how we do life. We're drawn to stories. Our lives revolve around stories. Think about it. When you sit around the campfire with your neighbors, you sit down and you tell math problems to each other, right? No. You tell stories. When I go golfing with my buddies, what we do for 18 holes is we tell stories about our lives and what's going on. We're drawn to stories. We're, we're Netflix, we're Hulu, we're Amazon Prime people who are always watching something. There, there's these stories, these narratives that capture us. And that's just how we're wired. Think about your faith. Your faith is a story. It's God's story of redemption connecting with your story, meeting your story. Our relationships are all about knowing each other's story. I love this quote from Jimmy Smith, who's the director of the International Storytelling Center. He says, we are all storytellers. We live in a network of stories. There isn't a stronger connection between people than storytelling. We are innately wired to be interested in other people's stories. And so we want to talk this morning, very basically, what does it mean to tell stories and to tell the story of faith? to the people who maybe are disconnected from God. So let's start with prayer. John chapter 9, before we jump in. God, we thank you for your love and your grace, God. As we look at this story of someone who you connected with, God, I pray that it would inspire us to be able to tell our stories more faithfully. I pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All God's people said amen. By the way, online, you can always say amen as well. John 9, starting in verse 1, it says this. As he went along... He saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Which We're not going to jump into this, but this is such an interesting discussion when something bad happens to someone or a hurricane hits Katrina when it hit New Orleans. We had all these people saying that happened because the city was full of sin. And so we, we have these theological debates on when evil happens, why does it happen? And in the first century, they had the same thing. And the disciples are saying, is this man, is he blind? There, there's some sin, sin issue, right? The parents were really bad sinners, so that's the reason he's blind. And Jesus says, neither this man 
nor his parents have sinned. Not that they hadn't sinned, but that they hadn't sinned connected to the fact that he was blind. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it's day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. The theme throughout the book of John, this idea of of light and darkness and Jesus bringing the light through his life, death, and resurrection. Verse 9. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. And if you were with us last week, I encourage you to jump back and watch these, but this is very similar to the healing last week. That for some reason, Jesus sort of gets, gets dirty. When he's interacting with people, when he's healing them, he tends to get dirty. So he spits, makes a saliva, puts it on the man's eyes. In verse 7, he says, go, he told him. Wash in the pool of Siloam. The word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, is this the same man who used to sit and beg? You, you can imagine the narrative, right? The story. The guy they used to walk by all the time that would beg, that was blind. They'd been blind since birth. Now there's this guy that looks like him who's walking around he can see. And there's, is this the same guy? Some claim that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. Things like healing, things like someone going from being blind to seeing don't happen. So this has to be somebody else. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. And then we're not going to read the rest of the passage. I mean, this is a long passage. It's a great story. I encourage you to read it. The next sort of text here is all about the Pharisees trying to, to corner Jesus to get him for doing something on the Sabbath. So it's, it's basically say, we want him to stop gaining popularity. We want him to stop saying that he's the Messiah, that he's the Son of God. This interaction, the interaction between this man who's been, who can see now and the people questioning him, he's just simply saying, here's what happened. Here's the story. If you jump down to verse 25, it says this. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. So they're accusing Jesus of being a sinner. He says, one thing I do know. I was blind, and now I see. Similar to what we just read in verse 11. Simply shares the story, the story that he knows, the story that, is, that Jesus has interacted with him. He doesn't give some huge theological treatise. He says, I was blind, and now I can see. This guy, Jesus, is doing amazing things. If you read through the end of the chapter in the next few verses after this, Jesus finally says to this man who can now see, he says, I am the Son of Man. And if you go down to verse 38, the man says, then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. It was a, a sort of staggered process of really understanding who God is. But I think verse 25 is the heart of the, the text. You could look at John 9 from a lot of different ways. You could talk about Jesus talking about him, himself being God. You could talk about the, the Pharisees and Jesus' continuing interaction with the religious elite. The religious elite who are trying to leave people out of the whole religious system. Jesus is constantly going against what they are doing. But verse 25, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. He shared his story. I mean, one of the most beautiful things in this text is this guy simply saying, I met Jesus and now I can see. And then he met Jesus again and he said, now I believe. What does it mean to be people who share our stories? 
that a significant part of BLESS is us sharing our stories again and again and again. I think the heart of what we want, want to get across is God is at work in your life. And you actually bless people by sharing what God is doing in your life. Right? You've heard me say it before. We're so prone to, one of the things that I get, I, I, I'm a bit of a foodie. And when I find a new restaurant for the next couple of weeks, that's one of the only things I can talk about or a specific experience that I had at a restaurant. And isn't it intriguing that the God of the universe has interacted with our lives? We get to follow him. He's forgiven us. And yet we're so prone to not talk about that thing. So I just want to talk about two things this morning. Really basic, really practical. I hope that by God's Spirit that encourages us to be people who share our story. So number one is this. Sharing your story is an essential part of a blessed lifestyle. If we want to be disciples, followers, you heard me a couple weeks ago, apprentices of Jesus, then this blessed reality is the way missional people live their lives. But the challenge is, we talk about sharing our story, especially when it comes to faith, we have a lot of different fears. And I'm not, I can't even cover all of them, but I just think some of the big ones that I hear, hear us talk about. When we talk about sharing your story, maybe you hear the word evangelism, that gets really scary, right? You talk about sharing your story, for a lot of us it's like, do I know enough to have an interaction with somebody about faith? Which I think is where part of the beauty of sharing your story is simply to say, you don't have to know every, everything. Share what God is doing in your life. Share your story of life with God and life without God. Another one that I think people that I hear often is, what about hurt friendships? What if I say something about faith to that friend and they, they, they're, just, they're done with me? They don't want to talk about faith. They don't want to go to that place. They're not interested in that conversation. And what I have found, what I've seen in my life and other people's lives is people know whether they're a relationship or a project. If you're treating people as a project when you're sharing your story, of course they're going to want to get rid of you. If you're loving on them because God loved you, period, whether they ever come to faith or not, they will not mind that you share what God is doing in your life. Another one is, is I think, just our society. We live in a pluralistic society that says it doesn't matter what you believe. What's intriguing about that is no major religious system would buy into that. Every major religious system on some level has a bit of a conversion piece to it that we think the way of our God is the way that matters that will bring hope and joy and meaning to your life. And so pluralism fights against the very thing that on some level it's trying to, to protect. I think for Christians often we buy into, we, we, most of you have heard, heard this statement by St. Francis of Assisi. Preach the gospel at all times and when necessary use words. The majority of us have heard this and we use it often as escape to, to try and live out the faith but never talk about faith, which is good. And by the way, I, I think often Christians need to focus more on the living than the sharing. But I think in a community like ours, we do the, you all do the living amazingly. You're acting out the way of Jesus in such beautiful ways. Don't forget to share your story. When necessary, actually use words. What's interesting is historians often actually don't know if St. Saint, Saint Francis actually said that. Or if it's something that just became folklore over time. The Bible says this actually in Romans 10.14. How can people have faith in the Lord and ask him to save them if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear? Unless 
someone tells. Romans 10.14. Part of being a follower of Christ is reproducing disciples who make disciples. Think about it. Could you imagine if a relief organization said this, feed the hungry, and if necessary, use food? None of us would give to an organization that said that. Or care for the sick, and if necessary, use medicine. Why would we as people who believe in Jesus Christ not share the story of what Jesus is doing in our lives again and again and again? So part of the, of the blessed lifestyle is actually sharing your story. Now I want to give you just a really simple, I, th- I believe simple way to think about it. Your story is simply this. Number two. It'll be up there. Your story is life with God and life without God. So what was life without God for you? What is life when you're really following, depending, knowing the forgiveness, using, seeing Jesus as your leader? Right? And for some of you, when you look at this, you have, a, you have a point in time where you know you came to faith. Maybe you didn't grow up in the church. Maybe you're an atheist. You're an agnostic. Whatever it might be. And you know what life was without God. You remember that. And you remember the friend who actually introduced you to Jesus. And when you said... This is going to be life with God. I am going to say, God, I accept your forgiveness. Please forgive me. I want you to lead and guide my life. And by the way, that's the good news. If you've never heard that, that's simply what it is. Following Jesus is saying, I want to be forgiven. I don't want to live in the shame and guilt. And I also want to follow you, Jesus. I want you to be the leader. And for some of you, you remember, you, there was a day, a moment, a time, maybe it was a month where you remember sort of that, that conversion process to life without God and to life with God. But for a lot of you, we live in Minnesota, where I think around 90% are Lutherans and Catholics. You don't, I mean, you, you sort of grew up in the church. You know, you, you believed in God. And, and maybe there was a point when you got into adulthood or a point in high school where you were able to name, wow, I, I'm really now committed to following Jesus. That, that, was, that was sort of the church thing I did and now... And you don't maybe know an exact time or place, but you know what life without God and what life with God looks like. And that's simply sharing your story. For me, I think one of the best ways to share a story is not, maybe not, maybe there was the time where you, you made that, that, that cross, but what does your life with God and without God look like now? On a day-in, day-out basis, one of the best stories that you can share with people is what meaning Jesus brings to your life now. You see, for me, life without God, on those moments and those hours and those days where I am not committed to really following Jesus Christ, what life without God looks like is really selfish. I can be an insecure bully. I can be lazy. Like all the things when I'm not following Jesus and I'm just choosing my way, trusting my leadership, trusting my insight, my wisdom, my world is pretty broken. Relationships aren't healthy. They're not going to deeper places. But then life with God, when I'm following Jesus, when I'm resting in his forgiveness, when I'm not living in shame, it's crazy. Like I can look at somebody that I know is an enemy of mine and actually pray for them. I can relate to my wife and daughters in different ways. Like your story is simply this. What does your life look like when it's without God? Because even for followers of Jesus, there's moments, there's times, there's days, there's hours. We're living life apart from God, aren't we? We're choosing our own leadership. 
And so what does life look like with God and without God? Rick Richardson, in his book, Reimagining Evangelism, says it this way. He says, that's your crucial story to share. The story that will be most relevant for you you as you guide others in their spiritual journey is to share that story. So as you share that, sometimes it's going to be an ongoing way. You know, you have a friend who grew up in the church but walked away after confirmation and now in their early 30s and, and they're disconnected from God and meaningful relationships within the context of a church community. And the way sharing your story is going to look like, it's going to be around the bonfire. It's going to be hitting, going, going and having a happy hour together. It's just going to be this ongoing relational thing where you have these chances to share little parts of what life without God and what life with God looks like. But there will be moments, there will be God moments where you know the Holy Spirit is inviting you to really go to a, probably a deeper place. More than just a couple of sentences of what God is doing, but really sharing in depth how Jesus is transforming your life. And to be aware that you will have the invitation to both those places. The ongoing relationships where it's a little bit here and there, but then the moment in time where God says, share it now. And when you get those chances, it's a beautiful thing. And you can rest in what God will do in that that moment. So church, Wherever you are, at this moment, during the week, whatever it might be, let's be a blessed community. Let's intentionally pray for people in our lives who are disconnected from God. Pray as you're going into that relationship. When you're going to meet with somebody, pray that God will open a conversation. And listen to people. Let them know that you actually care about them, that they're not, no one's a project. We love because God loved us and everybody around us is create the image of God. Eat together, serve, but share your story because every one of us has a story. God has done something in your life and you get to share it with the people around you. Let's pray. Jesus, thanks for, again, for grace. God, we, we talk about our story because your grace has invaded our lives, Lord. So I pray that you would work, God, that you would give us the courage to be people who share the fact that your story of love and grace and redemption has interacted with our whatever that looks like. But God, I pray that you would give us courage to do that. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.